Next Level Church. Hey, welcome all of our locations. Benita Springs, Fort Myers, Gateway location, East I-75. Welcome to all of you. And I am so excited because this weekend we have a, a dear friend of mine with us. He is the founding and lead pastor of People's Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And his name is Pastor Herbert Cooper. And here's what you need to know, a couple fun facts about Herbert. He and I have been friends for several years now. We serve on the ARC lead team uh, together. And uh, Herbert and his wife Tiffany started their church, People's Church, on the exact same day, 16 and a half years ago, May the 12th, Mother's Day, 2002, that Sarah and I started Next Level Church. Is that crazy? It's so cool. Also, here's what you need to know. The guy you're about to meet in just a second uh, is not only an incredible communicator, an incredible pastor, an incredible leader. Their church is a multi-site church with four or five uh, multi-sites uh, around the greater Oklahoma City region. But he's also an author. And so much of the story and stories that he's going to tell this weekend in, in the next few minutes, he has written in his book called But God. There will say, But God. This is an incredible, incredible book, you guys. I read it when it first came out uh, a year or two ago. And here's the deal. Here's what I think. I think as soon as uh, Pastor Herbert starts to tell some of the stories he's going to tell today, I think it's going to resonate in your heart, and you're going to go, that's me. I want you to pick up a copy of this book for you. And then secondly, here's what I think. For a lot of us, we're going to some of the things he's going to talk about, you're going to have someone's face in your mind, a friend, a relative, a nephew, a boss, a coworker, an employee, a classmate, Grab another copy. I'm just telling you, there's no better way to add value to someone and open up the God conversation than saying, you know what? I heard this guy speak in my church. I bought this book for you, and I want you to have it. So come on. At every location, would you put your hands together for my friend, Pastor Herbert Cooper? Well, hello, Next Level Church. It is so good to be back. I was here several years ago. And I've had an opportunity to speak uh, at this amazing church with my amazing friends. And, man, what God's doing here is really special. Uh, it's a real honor. I really sincerely, genuinely mean that it's an honor to be in this house with all the other locations joining us and watching what God is doing. And you are, are blessed with amazing leaders. And I want you to hear me. Uh, I don't say it like this everywhere that I go. But you are blessed with Pastor Matt and Pastor Sarah Keller, some of the most genuine people I know. What you see on the stage, that's who they really are off the stage, the real deal, people of prayer, people of integrity, people who love you, people who are full of vision and passion. And listen to me, they are leaders of leaders. You may not know this, but pastors across our nation and world look to them for mentorship, for wisdom, for guidance, for counsel. They've spoken into my life, into my wife's life. Can I tell you, you know at Next Level Church that you are blessed not only today, but your future is bright because of your senior pastors. Would you give it up? Come on, all locations. Would you give it up? I honor you both today. I love you so much. You're incredible leaders, incredible leaders. Well, I, I wish my, my lovely bride could be with me, but she's back home holding down the fort while I'm here. But she's sending her love from Oklahoma City. Uh, she is the love of my life, and we've been married 20 years. It'll be 21 years in December. We have four children. Matter of fact, I have a picture of my family there. We've got four precious children. On the far left is my oldest son. 
and his name is Kel, and he is 14. He'll be 15 in December. And then on the far right is Mr. Cade, and he is 13 years old. And then on my left there is Miss Karis, and she's my baby girl, my only girl there. She is uh, actually 12 years old. And then the youngest baby is Case, and he is 10 years old. And I love, love, love my family. I love what God is doing in our family, and I'm really just smitten in love whooped for my wife i really am i mean I, I just fall more in love with her every single year she is the barbecue sauce on my ribs she's the jelly on my toast she's the gravy on my biscuits she's the hot sauce on my chitlins come on somebody i know you like chitlins up in this place but my family sings greetings from Oklahoma City, and I'm so excited about this series, Overcome. And for the next few moments, I, I want to speak to you from this thought. I was afraid, but God, come on, at our Gateway campus, at our Bonita Springs location here, at this particular location. When they, come on, I want all the campuses, people joining us online around the world, the military, would everybody shout, but God? But God, but God gave me confidence. I was afraid, but God gave me confidence. Here's what I want us to understand is when God wants to do something powerful, when he wants to do something audacious, when he wants to do something incredible in and through your life, in your family, in the church, Next Level Church, one of the biggest hurdles that you will have to jump over is the hurdle of fear. Fear grips people's hearts. It grips their lives. It, it paralyzes people from moving forward and overcoming and jumping over hurdles to experience all God has for their life. And, and I know from personal experience how fear can, has gripped my own life, has gripped my own heart. It was 16 years ago, I really about 17 years ago when God spoke to my wife and I about starting a church called People's Church. And people saying, you can't do it, and you're too young, it will, it'll never work, and you don't have any pastoral background, and you didn't grow up in a Christian home, you didn't, you didn't grow up in a pastor's home, and I had never been on staff at a church before, I'd never been a youth pastor, I'd never been a children's pastor, I, I had no idea how the inner workings of church operated I just had no clue but I felt a call from God to start a church my wife and I I was 26 at the time I know you thought I was just 26 but I'm not but I, I was 26 at the time and my wife was 24 and here we are going to start this new church and we had no clue what we were doing we were a lot like your pastors pastor Matt and Sarah they full of faith but we didn't have a clue what we were doing. And you know we didn't know what we were doing because we started our churches on Mother's Day. <laughs> Don't nobody go to no new church on Mother's Day. They go to their mama's church. But we didn't know. <laughs> we started our church and 65 people showed up. That was everybody, everybody. 65 people showed up. But 16 years later, thousands of people have been impacted saved, set free, 
delivered because we jumped over the hurdle of fear and started people's church lives have been transformed and I'm here to tell you God wants to do something incredible in your life I don't care how young you are how old you are I don't care what your story is God wants to do something in you and through you he wants to do something powerful but for you to experience all God has for your life and for next level church you will have have to jump over the hurdle of fear the most popular words in the Bible you find those words in the Old Testament you find those words in the New Testament you see these words over and over and over again and here are the most popular words in the Bible do not be afraid and do you know why that is such a popular phrase in the Bible? Because so many people get paralyzed by fear and they don't move forward. They don't overcome and experience all God has for their life. Let me give you some examples in both the Old and then one of the New Testament. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great Reward and God is telling Abram, do not be afraid of the unknown. If, if, if you're not familiar with this story, God had promised Abraham a promised land. He had promised him a promised child. He has not seen the land. He has not seen the child. He is wondering what is going on and God speaks to his heart. Do not be afraid of the unknown. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptian, Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And he says, do not be afraid of your enemies. The Israelites had been in captivity by the, the nation of Egypt for over 400 years. God brings them out by his mighty hand. And as they're leaving Egypt, the Red Sea is before them. The Egyptian army is behind them to come capture them and take them back into captivity. And God uses Moses to speak to the people who are having fear in their hearts. We're going to go back into captivity. And he says, do not be afraid of your enemies. Jo Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And God says to young Joshua, Moses, the mighty leader, the great leader has died off. And now Joshua is called to lead God's people, the Israelites. He's fearful. He's scared. And God whispers those words to his heart. Do not be afraid to lead my people. I want to share one more scripture with you. Acts chapter 18 verse 9. Verse 9. You see these words over and over again. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. He says, do not be afraid to preach the gospel. I believe that's for someone today at one of our locations. Do not be afraid to share your faith at work, to share your faith with your family, to share your faith at your school. Do not be fearful. Do not be afraid. Whenever God wants to do something powerful in and through your life, you will always have to overcome and jump over the hurdle of fear.
And for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about three areas where you cannot be afraid. Three areas where you cannot be afraid so that you can experience all God has for your life. I want to talk to you from the life of Noah today. Three areas, three areas. The first area is this. Do not be afraid to stand alone. Do not be afraid to stand alone. Another way I could say it is do not be afraid to stand up for God. Let's look at the life of Noah in Genesis chapter number six. I'm going to pick up reading in verse number five. I want to share four or five verses with you as we set the story and set the stage for the life of Noah. It says the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only, come on in all of our locations, everybody shout, the only the only blameless person living on earth at the time and he walked in close fellowship with God the scripture says that Noah was the only blameless person on earth at the time the only blameless person in his generation everyone else was evil was wicked was full of lying and hatred and lust and greed and envy and bitterness except for Noah when everybody else was going left, Noah was going right. When everybody else was bowing down, Noah was standing up for God. The most defining and pivotal moments of my life have transpired because I stood alone for God. We all come to a crossroads where either we will go forward into all that God has for our lives or we will go backwards and hinder what God has for our life based upon this one thing, our willingness to stand alone for God. I grew up in a little small town in Oklahoma called Wewoka. And I know some of you are wondering where that is located in the state. And to familiarize yourself with Wewoka, it is located near Sasakwa, New Lima, Holdenville, Simono, Wilika, Wetumpka, and Kanawha. So it's just right there. I know, I know that I know that helps you with where Wewoka is located. And my little small town of about four thousand people and. Growing up in that town, I, I grew up in a lot of dysfunction like, like many of you did as well. And Dad and Mom argued, fussed, cussed, and fought, and a lot of tension in the home. And I know my life was gripped with fear and a lot of insecurities. And at the age of, of 13, and a home where there was already alcohol, addiction and a gambling problem and 
I, I was sexually abused by a lady. And it happened for several months and I never told my parents, never said a word. And I can tell you the, the pain, the, even the craziness, but the shame I dealt with and the bitterness. And I spiraled into sexual promiscuity and addiction and I'm telling you, I was, I was confused. I was, I was hurting. And then at the age of 15 years old, my mom, she had had enough of the relationship with my dad. My dad was off to work, and I remember me, my older brother, my younger sister, we loaded down my mom's car when my dad was at work. And we put as much of their clothes as we could put in. At the age of 15 years old, I, I decided to stay back in Wewoka because I was a pretty decent athlete and I was hoping for a football scholarship. And I didn't want to start all over again in high school and trying to build my name and reputation as an athlete. So I decided to stay back and I was a, I was a mama's boy. She cooked for us and cleaned for us and helped us with our homework and was just there for us. And so it was a big decision to stay back. And I was left there at 15 as my mom, brother, and sister left and moved to Rochester, New York, where, where my mom had a sister living. And, and when my dad came home that evening, I had to break the news to him. Dad, mom, and Scott and Herlana had moved to, to Rochester, New York. And he began to cry, and one of the only times I had seen my dad cry. And, and the one thing I was good at was athletics, and with abuse, confusion, addiction, dad and mom, broken up and busted up marriage, and I'm hurting, I'm confused, and yet I've got sports going for me, and I'm a good athlete, and it's the fall, and football season's going on, and, and I remember... I'll never forget the morning. It was Christmas morning. When I woke up that Christmas morning, I remember holding the pillow, tears streaming down my face, the first Christmas without my mama, my brother, and my sister. It's the first time I thought, is life worth living? Did I cause this? Why is this going on? The worst Christmas I had as I held that pillow and tears streamed down my face. And yet I was holding on to sports and being an athlete and being a jock and I was pretty good at it. But even that began to unravel on me. There was one day after football practice and I don't exactly remember what my coach was coaching me on and why he was frustrating me and agitating me. But, but after practice that day, because of the bitterness and the anger in my heart, I looked at my coach and I said, you don't have any idea what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. And I began to scream and get at a yelling match with my coach. And the very thing that I had going for me was unraveling right before my eyes because of angerness and bitter and pain and not sharing it with anybody. I was 17 years old. It's my senior year of high school. I'm actually being recruited to play college football. And this dream I have is coming to pass, I think. And, and it was a Thursday night 
a coach from the East Coast was coming down to, to we woke Oklahoma and was going to talk to me and my dad and share about their football program. And he called me up and said, Herbert, I'm stuck in Oklahoma City. I, I will not get down to we woke until tomorrow morning. I'll pull you out of school and I'll share about our football program with you to, that, 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 to, to, tomorrow. And, and I was so heartbroken. I was looking forward to him coming and, and sharing about, about their football program. But, but now he's not coming. And I had heard that there was a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting that night in the football locker room. I had never been before. I didn't care anything about Jesus. I didn't care anything about Christianity. I didn't care anything about fellowship. But I heard that night they were serving free pizza. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You serve free pizza. Cooper, show up. And so... I got in my Nissan Datsun pickup truck painted maroon. I had speakers in the back and I got in there and I based my way all the way there. Boom, 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 boom. And I got out my Nissan Datsun pickup truck, senior in college, high school, captain of the football team. And. Some of you my age or older, you remember the show and they had George Jefferson and I walked in there like George Jefferson with mad swag. You know what I'm saying? The old song, I'm too sexy for my shirt. I'm too sexy for my shirt. And I walked in there with swag. Herbert Cooper's here and I got my pizza and ate my pizza and I sat down in the football locker room with all the other football players. And that night, Todd Thompson the former kicker for the Oklahoma Sooners. He sat in a chair and he talked in a monotone voice and he shared about a man named Jesus, that he was the son of God, that he died on the cross, he rose again, and that he would forgive us of all of our sins and that he had a plan and purpose for our life. And that night I was at a crossroads. I was in that locker sitting down looking at the other football players and I knew God was doing something in my life but do I fit in do I stay cool do I try to act like everybody else and that night I decided I don't care what anybody else thinks and that night with tears streaming down my face I surrendered my heart and my life to Jesus Christ and the best way I can describe it is it was a but God changes everything moment. I walked in that locker room one way, but I left a completely different person. I was changed. I was transformed. And I knew that I was changed because right when I got home by myself in my bedroom, I took those cassette tapes filled with filthy music and I began to hammer them and trash them and throw them away. And I don't know, some of you are thinking, what in the world is a cassette tape? That's okay. Just hang with me anyway. Just stay with me. Stay with me. And I got rid of those cassette tapes and I sold my life out to Jesus Christ. And man, I'm telling you, when I lived for the devil, I was full on. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I was full on. I carried my Bible to school as the student council president, captain of the football team. I didn't care what anybody else thought. They thought, what is wrong with Coop? He's lost his mind. He's carrying his Bible everywhere. But I was sold out for Jesus Christ. He changed my life because I stood alone for God in a football locker and then I went off to play college football in the state of Arkansas. 
I show up at the secular university and nobody knows that this freshman gave his life to Jesus Christ, that he's on fire for God. It is my moment to fit in because all the upperclassmen and all of the singers on the team, this is an easy time to cave and give in to peer pressure, just do what everybody else does. But I determine in my heart, if I have to stand up for God all by myself, I will stand up for Jesus. And I remember on Friday nights on home football games, I remember the, co the college football players saying, hey, Herbert, man, you're coming with us, Coop, man, you're going to come with us. We're going to a party. We're going to go chase the girls. And I remember saying, no, you know what? I'm going to hang back. And I would get in my, in my Mazda MX-3 car. I upgraded somebody. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I upgraded. I had a Mazda MX-3 teal green car. And I remember riding around in that car, playing the song, In Christ Alone. I put my trust and I would go through Burger King and I would get two Whoppers for 99 cents with cheese. Come on, that's all a brother could afford. Come on, somebody. The best Whoppers I ever had. And I would ride through there. And it was a defining moment in my life that peer pressure was around. There was all kinds of sin around. There was party around. But I decided I'm going to stand up for God if I have to stand all by my self and some of you are at a crossroads god is wanting to do something more incredible in your life in your family in your church in your business in your workplace at your school he's wanted to use you in a greater way but you will have to determine i'm going to stand up for god even if i have to stand by myself for some of you it's your family you have family members that are compromising biblical values and your biblical convictions and they're trying to sway you and they're trying to influence you and you're at this crossroads where you have to make up my mind your mind am I going to go the way of my family and, and even if I have to stand by myself you have to make your mind up I will stand alone for God on his word on my biblical convictions on what the Bible says I will follow Jesus for some of you it's at your workplace it's at your school Every day you go to work, every day you go to school, everybody is so negative. You go and it's just, and you have the opportunity to chime in and to be negative and to go with the flow and just complain. Yeah, the boss is a jerk and all the teachers are stupid and you have an opportunity to do it, but you have to make up your mind. I'm going to stand up for Jesus. Even if I have to stand by myself, I will be positive. I will speak life. I will bring a positive energy in this workplace at this school. I will stand alone for God. For some of you, it's with your friends. It's even with some of your church friends. They decided to be average, have an average marriage, be average parents, be average grandparents, be average students, be average at their workplace, be average with God. And you have to decide in your mind, even though they're going to be average, I'm going to stand up for God. I will not be lukewarm. I will not be mundane. I will not be lethargic. I will not just go through the motions. I will be red hot on fire for Jesus Christ and pursuing his purpose and his plan for my life. And Noah was the only blameless person in his generation. Number two is this. Number two is this, do not be afraid to make a difference. I want to say this to all the campuses right now. 
you are making a bigger difference than you realize. You're making a bigger difference than you realize. The Bible says this about Noah in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. It says, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Noah spent 120 years preaching and building a boat, preaching and building a boat, preaching and building a boat. And the Bible says this about Noah in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Think about this. Noah preached for 120 years and nobody got saved except his family. Nobody else turned to God. 120 years of preaching and no one else got saved. As a preacher, that verse makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> Noah has to be thinking, I'm not making a difference. Nobody's listening to me. I'm building this boat and preaching. Nobody's listening. Even the friends I grew up with, they're laughing at me. They're ridiculing me. My closest friends won't even listen to what I'm preaching. I'm not making a difference. And here's what I've learned. Oftentimes, when you're making a difference, it does not look like you're making a difference. It doesn't look like you're making a difference. Can I tell you, oftentimes when you're making a difference, it can look like you're making a mess. And it looked like Noah was making a mess. He's building this boat and leaves are everywhere and trees are everywhere. I mean, it's a mess. Tools are everywhere. It's a mess. And let me remind you, when Noah built this boat, there was no Lowe's. There was no Home Depot. I know this is blasphemy to some of you. You cannot believe this is shocking to your system, but there wasn't even a Walmart. He made his own tools. He's making tools and wood is everywhere and limbs are everywhere. He's preaching to all of his friends and nobody's listening. It does not look like he's making a difference. It looks like he's making a mess. And how many of you would agree with me that sometimes life can be messy? Well, life can be messy. It was in February of 2014. My only girl, my baby girl, my daughter, she got sick. It was bad. She had diarrhea. She was vomiting. She got to this place where she was vomiting so much that she started dry heaving and drying and dry, crying and dry heaving at the same time. I'm like, what is, what is that? And I'm a germaphobe. So I'm trying to look at every cover she touched. I'm not touching that cover. She's set right there. I'm not sitting there. And I got sanitizer everywhere. I'm wiping it on my hands, on my arms, everywhere. I'm like, Tiffany, take care of your child. I mean, it was bad. And the next thing you know, my, my wife gets sick. One of my sons gets sick. And they've got diarrhea. They're vomiting. It is, I mean, it is bad. I'm looking at them going, this is horrible. And how many of you men know when your wife gets sick, you wonder how the universe is going to continue to operate. And you ladies know when we get sick, we're worthless. 
And my wife is sick, so I began to pray for her. God, touch my wife. Strengthen her and speak to her about sleeping on the couch tonight because a brother cannot get sick. I mean, I start praying for my, my wife. It is, it is horrible. And then another one of my sons gets sick. It is going through the house, and he's got diarrhea. He's vomiting. It is bad. And it's finally Friday, and the house is all clean and good, and nobody's sick. Me and my oldest son, we beat it. We're like, yes, yes. Had a great Friday as a family and a great Saturday as a family. And then went to church on Sunday and I preached at my church on Sunday. Came back home after church. We had lunch as a family and relaxed around the house and chilled out on Sunday evening and went to bed. And about one o'clock on Sunday morning, I woke up and my stomach was talking to me. <laughs> I got up, I went to the bathroom. I'm not trying to gross you out. I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just trying to be real with you. It was the first time in my life I was sitting on the toilet holding a bowl on my lap and it was coming out of both ends at the same time. Ah, it was horrible. And how many of you know it? that's like life? Sometimes in life, it comes out of both ends <laughs> at the same time. You ever been there before? You're going through a divorce. Then your kids are acting crazy. At the same time, the car breaks down. Then your washer and dryer breaks down at the same time. You're having money problems. And all of a sudden, you have a health problem in your own body. Your boss is treating you just like you're nobody. And then all of a sudden, your best friend betrays you and stabs you in the back. It's amazing in life that sometimes it can come out of both ends at the same time and you're thinking to yourself I'm trying to serve Jesus I'm trying to honor Jesus I'm in church I'm praying I'm living for God and it does not look like I'm making a difference I look around and it looks like I'm making a mess but can I tell you when you stay faithful to God you're making a bigger difference than you realize just ask Noah, it didn't look like he was making a difference, but Noah made a tremendous difference. Can I tell you, Noah made a difference for his family. The Bible says because one man was faithful to build the boat for 120 years, his family got saved. And can I tell you, it's worth it all if you build the boat and you save your family. Noah made a tremendous difference. Friends, can I tell you that Noah made a difference for the animals? How many of you at all of our locations, how many of you have a pet at home? Just raise your hand. That's not enough of you raising your hand. So let me ask another question. How many of you like to eat meat? Raise your hand. Some of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I say. That's okay. That's okay. Can I tell you, if you like to eat meat, you have a pet, you better thank God for Noah. If it wasn't for Noah, all you would eat is seafood. That's all the meat. And I love seafood. I love crab. and I love shrimp and tilapia and I love all kinds of fish and seafood but sometimes a brother wants some ribs with extra barbecue sauce sometimes I want a steak medium well sometimes I want some chicken fried come on somebody sometimes I want some chitlins with hog malls and I'm about to preach in this church today all I'm saying is you better thank God for Noah he made a tremendous difference and friends can I tell you that Noah made a difference 
for every human being that's ever walked the face of this earth. Because you and I would not be here today if it wasn't for a man named Noah who decided when it does not look like I'm making a difference, I'm going to stay faithful to build the boat like God said. I'm going to stay faithful to love my wife, to love my husband. I'm going to stay faithful to be at Next Level Church and to serve and to tithe. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to get the empowerment track. I'm going to be faithful to work hard at my job. I'm going to be faithful to raise my kids and invest in my grandkids. It doesn't look like I'm making a difference, but I'm going to be faithful to build the boat anyways. And if you will be faithful to build the boat, even though it doesn't look like you're making a difference, you are making a bigger difference than you realize. You may not see it for a year or two or 10 or maybe not even in this lifetime. But when you stay faithful to God and you keep building the boat, you are making a big difference. Number three is this. Number three is this. Just turn to turn to your neighbor right now and say, he hasn't been talking to me yet, but I know he's talking to you. Go ahead and tell me, I know this is for you. I know this is for you. I know it is. Number three is this, number three, number three, number three. Do not be afraid to step out in faith, to step out in faith. One of the powerful things about Noah's life is he wasn't afraid to step out in faith. And Noah built a humongous boat that was taller than a four-story building. It was as long and as wide as one and a half football fields. He built the first Royal Caribbean cruise ship. He's a bad mama jamma. And, and, and so many people miss out on God moving powerfully in and through their life because they won't step out in faith. Next level church, don't allow fear of the past, fear of failure, or fear of man to stop you from stepping out in faith. The scripture says this about Noah in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. What area of your life is God speaking to you about today? That you need to obey God. You've got to overcome the hurdle of fear and obey God. Maybe it's to forgive someone who hurt you or to start the business or to go to college or to go back to college again, get you a degree, or maybe it's to apply for the job, or to start the small group, or maybe it's to start tithing, or to start serving in the kids' ministry. You've been hearing over and over at Next Level about empowerment track, but you just keep putting it off, and it's to step out of faith and to go. Maybe it's to invite someone to church. Obey God, step out in faith. It goes on to say he obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. And many scholars believe that when Noah built the boat, he had no concept of rain. He didn't know what rain was. And if that would be the case, Noah builds this boat, not quite understanding a flood or rain, but he knew God spoke to him. And so he stepped out in faith and built the boat. Next level, I've never regretted stepping out in faith and following God. I don't regret it at 17 years old in a football locker room in front of the 
almost the entire football team crying my eyes out and surrendering to Jesus I don't regret stepping out in faith I don't regret that next Sunday I show up on Mekasuki Street at a church and I get water baptized I don't regret stepping out in faith and going to a small group and getting discipled studying Henry Blackaby's experiencing God and my mind was getting renewed my, my, my heart was getting healed from sexual abuse and, and addiction God, was, God had me on a journey as I was stepping out in faith I don't regret stepping out in faith and going to play college football and then leaving my football scholarship and, and, then, and then going to another university to get my biblical studies degree. I don't regret stepping out in faith and obeying the voice of God. I don't regret stepping out in faith at the age of 22 and marrying my wife when I was 22 years old. I don't regret stepping out in faith and obeying the voice of God. I don't regret stepping out in faith and starting a traveling ministry although I had no ministry background. I had no clue what I was doing but I was obeying the voice of God. I don't regret at 26 years old no money no backing stepping out in faith and starting a church called people's church I don't regret stepping out in faith and obeying God next level what area of your life is God saying do not be afraid step out follow God he's got for you he wants to use your life fear is speaking to you but God is so much more powerful and he's speaking do not be afraid do not be afraid do not be afraid Heavenly Father thanks for your voice thanks for speaking to our hearts thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and of a sound mind. I thank you that people are being ministered to. Your spirit is speaking just deeply to hearts right now. I thank you that fear is being broken in Jesus' name. And faith is arising in hearts right now. In the name of Jesus, people are just getting the gift of faith dropping in their heart right now to obey your voice and to step out into all that you have for their life. Have your way, I pray, in Jesus' name.